0: Welcome back to the program. Get ready to watch the daily case counts continue to go up. Here is the Chief Medical Officer of Health for the Province of Ontario, Dr. Kieran Moore.
1: Over the past week, we've experienced a slow and steady rise in daily new cases of COVID-19. And Ontarians should expect to see a continued increase as we enter the fall. This is not a cause for panic. Our case rates will fluctuate over time. And we can anticipate that they'll continue to go up. But it is our collective responsibility to avoid a sudden acceleration in cases by getting fully immunized.
0: So the fourth wave is indeed upon us and on the line, Dr. Peter Yuni, Scientific Director of the Ontario Science Table. Welcome back to the program, doctor.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Let's talk about the case counts and what you expect to be seeing in terms of numbers into the fall. And and how much attention should we be paying to case counts now that we're in a post-vaccination world?
1: Yeah, we we need to be aware of that this uh, fourth wave will be a fourth wave of the unvaccinated, meaning and um, the case numbers will become a little bit relevant if only we didn't have also the school children we need to still keep sort of safe you know the next few months we could then completely let go of case numbers as just and just focus on uh, hospital occupancy and icu occupancy right now it will be a mixed bag we will need to look at both because if the case numbers are too high we will struggle to keep schools safe for another few months before the vaccines are coming also for the below 12 year old
0: what do you um expect to see in terms of cases amongst the unvaccinated and and, and in this case i'm talking about the under 12. i struggle
1: to understand you to be honest Um, i hope you understand me i understood what do i expect to see look right now we are having an average of roughly 370 cases per day in ontario um, and the challenge we're in right now is that the doubling time is relatively short, 8 to 10 days right now estimated, meaning the daily case counts will double every day eight to 10 days. So in 10 days from now, we could easily be at 700 cases per day. And at the beginning of the school year, we could easily be above 1000 already. Now, the point is that for those of us who are fully vaccinated, and it's especially true for people my age, I'm 53, uh, the full vaccination starts to make this relatively trivial uh, meaning, uh, it's uh, like any other respiratory tract infection, even if we get it. But for those who are not vaccinated, the risk through Delta is high to uh, eventually end up in the hospital or in an ICU if you're especially above the age of fifty.
0: Can we talk about kids, especially those under twelve? Uh, you know, there's so many parents out there who are concerned right now about. That what we're looking at here is Delta moving through uh, kids And, and although previously, you know, COVID concerns for under 12 had not been that high, what are they with Delta?
1: Yeah, look, we don't know yet exactly. What we see is concerning signals of uh, hospital admissions going up disproportionately in the US and we need to take this seriously. It's still at a relatively low level, but it's not null. And we also perhaps have about a 5% chance of long COVID in kids. And when we just look at that, this means we need to tread carefully and make sure that we keep all the measures in place, you know, and capitalize as much as we can of the uh, Uh, provincial preparations regarding ventilation, filtration, so that the room air is as good as it gets, masks, cohorting, physical distancing in the uh, older students, all of that is important so that we make it a few more months until hopefully in November, but this may be too much of a hope that I'm having, we can start also vaccinating those below the age of 12.
0: Dr. Kieran Moore, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, has previously said he doesn't see really any circumstance in which schools would be closed down again. Do you share that optimism?
1: Yes. Look, what we see now is with this um, current effective reproduction number of 1.5, roughly meaning 100 new cases cause an additional 150 new cases on average. This is the result of step three. When we were in step two, we actually had um, an effective reproduction number of around one, meaning we didn't have growth. We always had the same daily case numbers. So to be honest with you, and I don't want to go back there, we know what to do. If we need to go back, uh, then this means we can restrict things a little bit again, so that we really don't have to use the lever of schools to control the pandemic. We absolutely should not do that. Schools should stay open. The point now is there will be a moment in this pandemic, remember what I said, it's the Will be the pandemic of the unvaccinated now, where we need to start to uh, protect the healthcare system against uh, unvaccinated people being admitted to ICUs and to hospitals, and that's where we need to think very carefully what to do then, and that's where also potentially the vaccine certificate story comes in. Don't we need to distinguish in a falsification-proof uh, way that uh, you know looks at, at at equity issues, privacy issues, etc., between those who are fully vaccinated and those are not. And in high-risk settings such as dining, gyms, clubs, etc., perhaps there will be a period, a transitional period, where we just need to have a restriction to those who are fully vaccinated in these settings.
0: I'm speaking with Dr. Peter Yuni, who is the scientific director on the science table. And doctor, I want to play this for you. This was the Minister of Health when asked about a provincial certificate program
1: a card or whatever nature that is, then you end up with all kinds of other considerations about production, about um, fraud prevention, of course. People do have their proof of vaccination in the receipt that they receive after their second vaccine.
0: The government says the current system is good enough. Do you agree? No, <laughs> no, for
1: sure not. You know that's uh, not falsification proof. It doesn't look at uh, at all the different issues that we would need here. And um, if you want to play this safely, this needs a bit of investment. That's an uphill battle, but there are companies out there, organizations out there that know how to deal with that while just keeping things really private. Make sure it's equitable. Meaning, for instance, also you know people who don't have a mobile phone will still need to be able to have a falsification proof documentation that something would be great if you could work on it if we never knew uh, you need to use it great but there may be a moment where we actually have to it seems a bit inevitable to in, in my mind to be honest with you
0: i want to circle back to icu numbers we talked about that you talked about that being a key metric one of the key metrics going forward i see the number is uh, 109 today you know previously Well back, I remembered 300 was the threshold. Then, of course, we went past that in the third wave. Is there a number on ICUs that you see as a red line?
1: Look, this will be a little bit of a moving target again, but if we want to keep up with all the operations that are so highly necessary to happen, you know, there's a world outside of COVID, obviously, we probably should try not to go above 200 to 300 beds occupied in ICUs. But I'm telling you that now, just, you know, that's my personal view. We also need to discuss that with our colleagues from the modeling consensus table, etc. But roughly two to 300 is probably manageable. If it goes above that, we start to uh, cancel operations again. And we have this tremendously long wait lists, you know, and the backlog. We can't
0: continue with that. Dr. Yuni, thank you again for your time today. Thanks a lot for having me.